Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. Here at Southside Christian Fellowship, our vision is to become passionate pursuers of God. I don't find it coincidental that one of the scriptures that God put on Lorraine's heart this morning was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It is where we get that from. Jesus said it was the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord your God, right? To love him first. You know why? Because if we put him in the right position, everything else falls in place. Everything else lines up. Everything else becomes easier, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to work out. But we have to put God in the proper place. That's why we've been talking about becoming kingdom stewards, because you see, this journey is not about me, and it's not about you. It has been, is, and always will be about God and his kingdom. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray, his kingdom come, his will be done. It's a daily dependence, praying for the daily bread. That's why I'm telling you the Lord would have you ask him each day, Lord, is it okay if I break the fast today? So last week I laid out to you the case for motivation. What's your motivation for serving the Lord? What's your motivation for giving tithes and offerings? What's your motivation for reading the word of God? What's your motivation for coming to church? What is your motivation I like how Tony Evans said it. We're living in a day when people want God's blessings without God. They want the benefits without the being. They want the rewards without the relationship. We talked about Moses in Exodus chapter 33. And God told him that he was going to lead the people to the promised land. God told Moses that he was going to lead the people to the promised land, but that God was not going with them. And Moses said, if you're not going, then I'm not going. Because Moses understood without his presence, it means nothing. We got to change our motivation from the stuff to the giver. We got to understand that if God is not with us in what we're doing, it's not worth it. It's hollow, it's vain, it's not satisfying. See, we become better kingdom stewards by not focusing on what we get from God but rather what God through us can give to others. We do this by allowing God to change our motivation from the blessings to the blesser, from the rewards to the relationship, from passionate pursuers of self to passionate pursuers of God. That's how we become better kingdom stewards. So today I want to continue in that vein of motivation. What motivates you to serve the Lord? See, we're challenged with worldly motivation Versus godly motivation. Because something motivates you to do the things you do. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us about this motivation. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's what we're doing through this fast. We are presenting ourselves to the Lord. We are disciplining our flesh. Verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. We were talking about Adam and Eve this morning in Sunday school. 
and they allowed the serpent to conform them to the ways of the world. And we read that story, but we have to see how it applies to us today because there's still that serpent whispering in our ear. And just like he convinced Eve that, that there was something more to this tree and why wouldn't God want her to be more like him and have wisdom? See, see Satan is doing that to each one of us, convincing us. And the only way we overcome that is to follow Jesus' example. You see, Jesus went in the wilderness. He disciplined his flesh, and then he quoted Scripture to the enemy. Why? Because his motivation wasn't on his flesh at the time. His motivation was something greater, something in the distance. It was an investment because he knew the future. He knew that sacrifice had to be made. His motivation was for each one of us. It wasn't for himself. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, that's a fun word to say. He said, Lord, if it be possible for this cup to pass from me. Why? Because, man, I don't know about you, but if I stub my toe, I'm borderline crying. I'll just be honest with you. I'm borderline crying. I probably do, but I don't want to admit it. And the older I get, the more it hurts. It didn't used to hurt as bad when I stubbed my toe. I played sports and you're roughhousing. You'd come on with bumps, bruises, and scrapes, and you didn't even know you had them on you. You didn't worry about it. It was a badge of honor. Get a little older, stuff hurts a little bit more. You start getting worried about that stuff. <laughs> the enemy's always trying to tell us how to make ourselves better, what's going to make us comfortable. We have to discipline our flesh. We have to respond back in Scripture. Otherwise, we will be just like Adam and Eve, and we will end up being conformed to this world. That's why Paul was saying, look, I'm begging you. I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you. Don't be conformed to this world. So what are you motivated by? The world's way. Being busy is desired. How many of you have to tell people when they ask you how you're doing, you respond with something like, man, I'm doing good, just busy. Just a lot going on. You know how it is. You ever say that to people? Some version of that? I know I do, right? It's become a badge of honor. If you're not busy, you must be being lazy. But I like what a friend of mine told me about the word busy, B-U-S-Y. You have to be careful because you can be busy being under Satan's yoke. Let me say that again. Busy can be being under Satan's yoke. The world's way, their motivation is accumulation. Let me get more and more and more and more and more. And it's never enough. It's never enough. I mean, look, I, I'm reading an article the other day. Somebody's selling their mansion, one of these celebrities, and it's millions of dollars. And we, we look at those. I remember back in the day it was what Robin Leach, I think was his name. He used the lifestyles of the rich and famous. And then I think MTV did what? Something about cribs or something. I don't know. There's all these shows that want to show you all these lavish houses. And we look at those and go, man, that is amazing. Who don't want a pool in their house and a bowling alley and a, all these things? But the reality is it becomes overkill. Are you, are you really using all that stuff? I think that's where the motivation has to change. 
I'm not saying God doesn't want you to build a massive structure. He may, but if he does, it's for a purpose. We have some good friends of this church that own several hundred acres, very nice sized house, but you know what? They use that facility to bless others. They use it for ministry. They understand that God didn't provide that or give that to them just for themselves. But through them, they're able to minister to others. So again, it's not a matter of how much is too much. It's a matter of what am I to do with this, Lord? So when you get that unexpected bonus or that unexpected check in the mail or that really rare refund from the government, it's not, oh, yeah, thank you, Lord. What can I do with this for myself? It's, Lord, you provided this for a reason. What is that reason? It all centers around having that relationship with the Lord. It's all about having that relationship as a kingdom steward. Again, the world's way, their motivation is accumulation. I had a pastor that used to say, get all you can, sit on the can, and forget the rest. You know, that reminds me of that first servant in the parable of the talents. He got that one talent, and he just buried it. You know, we're faced with the same challenge. God's blessed us, but some of us are burying that. We're burying that talent. We're burying those treasures. We're using them for ourselves and only ourselves rather than asking the Lord, how do I use what you've given me, Lord? And maybe you're in that situation right now. It's okay. It is a simple solution. Lord, I didn't consult you in the past. I repent of that. I'm consulting you now, Lord. Because you, you see what, what the enemy meant for evil, God can do what? Use for good. So even if Satan whispered in your ear and you had worldly motivation, the second you surrender whatever it is to God, he can then take that and use it to his glory for his kingdom and his will. But it's a matter of putting him in the right place. That's what a kingdom steward does. Puts God in the correct place. What about God's way? Well, let's look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. I like that, no sorrow added. How many of you look for packages, no sugar added? You know what I realized about that? That don't mean there's not any sugar in there. I got excited when I saw no sugar added. I thought, ooh, yeah, stay away from the sugar. But, but what you have bought might already have sugar in it. They're just saying we didn't put any more in it than what's already in there. But there's no sorrow added, God says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. You think about sorrow as, as this deep emotional sadness, this regret, but you know, that can come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. It's a lot of times associated with the loss of people, but it can also be riches. It can be wealth. It can be material possessions. You know, there are people that have lots of money that are miserable. Miserable. And there are people with nothing by our standards who are overjoyed with life. Now, there are people with lots of money that are overjoyed. Those people that I know in my life like that have put their finances and everything in the right place. And that's why they're able to have joy because they're not after the riches. They're not after the money. They're taking what God is giving them and using it the way he instructs them to do. You know what's cool about that? They get blessed as well, because guess what? The friends I was telling you about, they get to live in that house. They get to enjoy that pool. They get to enjoy the, the land. 
But they understand it's not just for them. They're the managers of the property. That They're taking care of it. And when God says, hey, I want you to use it for this, they do. They jump in. I want you to notice something in this scripture here. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Notice it didn't say the blessings. And just so you know, I went back to several translations, including King James, New King James, New American Standard, and they all say the blessing of the Lord. So what is that telling you? It's not the blessings of the Lord. It's not the stuff. It is the Lord that makes one rich. And that's why he talks about you can't take any treasures from earth with you to heaven because God is the only treasure that goes from here to there. And that's why having God in your life, having that relationship is what makes you rich. The rest in this world is just resources. It's just resources, that relationship with God. So kingdom stewards are motivated by that relationship with God, by going deeper. We're going into this fast to get deeper in our relationship with the Father. The blessing is the Lord. It's his presence, as Moses understood and said. It's something more precious than material wealth. Look at Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 15. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Notice the Scripture talks about all of the material possessions, right? Talking about the rubies, the silver, the gold. But yet, what is the ultimate treasure? It's the wisdom and the understanding. When Solomon prayed to God, what did he ask for? He asked for more wisdom, Because he understood that all of the wealth in the world wouldn't make him happy. It wouldn't satisfy. But understanding and wisdom that comes from God. See, how are we going to pray for his kingdom to come and his will be done if we don't understand what that is? But I promise you, if you submit yourself to the Lord and you pray and ask, he will show you. And if you've not experienced that, I want to encourage you to push in and to Test the Lord in that area. He will reveal himself to you. He will show you. How many of you have had that opportunity where you just needed the Lord to show up and he did? In whatever situation. Again, where does that wisdom come from? Well, if you read the previous verses in chapter 3 of Proverbs, it tells us, beginning in the fifth verse, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Let's go back through that one more time. Trust in the Lord with all. Everybody say all. And lean not on your own understanding in all. Say all. All your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I've told this story many times, but to me, it's one of the most revelatory things that happened in my life. But when I left my job the last time to go back into full-time ministry, there was no job available here at the church. There was no pay available here at the church. 
but I knew what I was hearing from the Lord. I had confirmation through Tammy. I want you to know that none of what I did was wisdom in man's eyes. I had bills, still have family living at home, and yet I'm going to leave a job that's paying me, that's taking care of that family for a job that doesn't pay me. If you don't have that relationship with the Lord, if you're not motivated by God, you can't do that. And trust me, there's many times where I didn't do that. And it's easy for me to tell about it now because I'm five years down the road. And I can tell you about all the stuff that God's done to take care of me. Those bills never stopped coming, and I never missed paying one. Never missed one. Still haven't. Why? Because I wasn't wise in my own eyes in that situation. Because it didn't always match up with our worldly thinking. But you're not going to know that unless you're motivated by that relationship with the Lord, with the Father. You see, the motivation for us should be association. The world's way is accumulation. Our way should be association. That association means relationship. That's what should motivate us. Tammy and I will sit in the living room at night. She'll be crocheting. Of course, she's not here to hear me get that correct finally. I don't remember what I've been calling it. Don't tell me because I don't want to mess it up again. But I, I tell you that it's called crocheting, crocheting because when I say it wrong, she lets me know very quickly that I'm, I don't know if she's offended. I'm not sure what's going on, but it's crocheting. And she'll zone out on me. We're in the same room at the same time, but she doesn't respond to what I'm saying. And I know because I'm telling some great jokes. I'm getting nothing out of her. And every once in a while, I let one go, two go. But about the third one, I say, hey, you got to be present, too. You can't just be sitting there. She'll go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you know, that's what happens to us with our motivation with the Lord. We're sitting in the same room. We're right next to him, but we've zoned out. we got to build that relationship. We can't just know of him. We have to know him. We have to desire to know everything we possibly can know. Do you know that if you desire to learn everything you can about God, it'll keep you busy, not the wrong way. Maybe I should learn a new word there. It'll occupy all of your time to the day you go on to be in heaven because you'll never know everything about God. But every time you uncover something, it is so exciting and exhilarating. When I get to share that story about how God took care of me, even though I took a leap of faith and I quit my job and I see people's eyes light up because they're understanding what I'm telling them because they see the joy that it brought me. In fact, one of the reasons that I became a teacher, let me rephrase that. One of the reasons God led me into teaching because I was not a fan of it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it is because I chased the money to start with. And I began to get promotions and I began to get pay raises and I was also more and more empty inside. I was not satisfied because my motivation was misguided. I was chasing the money and the promotions and what man would say about me. Instead of chasing the father, he protected me. He opened a door, a door for me in education. I walked in it temporarily, not knowing that God put me in the right spot. And I started learning from there to chase him instead of the money instead of the 
promotions instead of the titles. And you know what? I was so much happier. I had so much more joy. And I want you to know I've gotten to do a lot of things in my life. And teachers don't make a ton of money. But yet God provided, still provides. Tammy and I took a vacation a few months ago in September. And we had the money set aside, but it was pretty tight. And we just said, Lord, we really need to get away. I need to get refreshed. Can we please go? And all of a sudden we had two or three people just give us a, a financial gift out of the blue. We didn't tell anybody. We didn't ask anybody for money. We didn't say any of that. We trusted the Lord in that situation, and he provided. Now, for that story, there's a hundred more where I didn't trust the Lord, and it's a training process. Why? Because my motivation has to change. My motivation has to change. And we had prayed that time about going before we actually put any money down, before we even paid for the, the condo or apartment or whatever we stayed in, because we're learning as well. And I've made a couple decisions after that where I forgot to consult the Lord. Don't worry, he reminds me. And it doesn't always work out, and I spend more time in stress than I should because I've made a decision without consulting the Lord first. But what's happening is my motivation is changing. And as my motivation changes, God begins to replace my bad habits with the right habits. He begins to change my mindset. He begins to show me how I should have approached the situation, and then he sends that situation again. But it's all built off that relationship with the Father. It comes from a desire to know him. It comes from a hunger. And so that's my next question and the final question of today. Do you hunger for God? Do you hunger for God? I like what Jensen Franklin said. He said, the discipline of fasting will humble you, remind you of your dependency on God, and bring you back to your first love. It causes the roots of your relationship with Jesus to go deeper. And that's what we want. That is why we are fasting as we start this new year. We want that desire, that hunger for God to grow. You know that overeating can get you full, but you can still be malnourished? Do you know that? Just because a person is plump, larger than average, Yes, I'm aware of my size right now. It's okay. But it's to be malnourished. What, am I, what are we putting in our bodies? What are we putting in our spirits? Why am I saying that? Because we need more than just Sunday morning service. We need more than just Sunday school. We need more than just a Wednesday night Bible study. Going through a time of fasting will create that desire, that hunger for God. It will create that dependency on him. It will also reveal areas where you have replaced God in your life. And that's God giving you an opportunity to change that. Fasting will do that. Because without that, the things we do become traditions. Coming to church becomes a tradition. Giving tithes and offerings becomes a tradition. And we don't want it to become a tradition. We want it to become what God set it out to be. Matthew 4.4 4 says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When you withdraw food from your life for a period of time, the only thing you have left is that opportunity to hear from the Lord. 
from the mouth of God. And Matthew 5, 6 says, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We did a fast back in October. I was very nervous about it. Got into it. Was really blown away with what the Lord did. He called us to this fast. I was more excited. Now, yesterday I had a little bit of trepidation because I knew I was giving up food again, but I had to work through that. My flesh was not happy. But my spirit man said, no, we got to have this. I need this. You need this. You need this time to be with the Father. How does that go with kingdom stewardship? Because, again, it's about our motivation. You don't fast unless you are motivated by God. You cannot draw closer to him if you are not motivated by him. So what is your motivation? This idea of motivation is huge. Whether you realize it or not, it's what drives your decisions. And so I'm asking you to look inside of yourself. What is your motivation? What is your motivation? Is it accumulation or association? Is it to get all you can? Or is it to allow God to give as much as he can through you? Is it building your kingdom? Or is it building God's kingdom? Is it the stuff or the relationship that you are motivated by? You want to test and find out what your motivation is? Don't answer this out loud. But answer to yourself, how do you feel about the fast that we just started? If you're not really excited about it or you already have plans of not participating, I will tell you that your motivation is out of place. And God wants to help you with that. I'm not coming to your house to see whether or not you ate. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you broke the fast before 6 p.m. Because this is where it's between you and God. But I want to tell you that there is a real enemy. There's Satan. There's also this flesh. And I can make you this promise, not because I'm speaking it into existence, but because the Word of God tells us this, but you're going to be tested. You're going to be tempted. And this is really where your motivation comes out. Are you motivated for that deeper relationship with the Lord? Because if you will push through what your flesh is feeling, you will experience some amazing things in the supernatural and in the spiritual. So today I want you to check your motivation. And if it's not where it needs to be, simply tell the Lord and ask Him to change your motivation. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.